Tommy, Chucky, Phil, and Lil, and Susie. <laughs> it's a rug rat from under the mat. It's a rug rat. It's a rug rat rap times two. Still slaps. <laughs> Still slaps. Ever, I'm so happy for you. You're a San Diegan, formerly San Diego yes. gal. What are your thoughts on Comic-Con as a as a former local? As a former local. Um, so I've been twice. The first time I was pretty young and my mom snuck us in. Okay. Um, she, my sister was like two and she was like, my baby needs a bathroom. And then we just went upstairs, went into the bathroom and then crossed over the upstairs and went down the back stairs and snuck in like literally snuck in um and it was it was a blast it was a blast um it feels like it it, it's changed like it's a lot of like Marvel and Disney I feel like back when I used to go it was less of that yeah but I might be wrong I might have just been younger here's the deal I went as a grown early 30s year old woman I'm like how old am I 32 33 32 and I had the time of my life I don't even like a lot of that Marvel stuff um I got to see Stephen Colbert that was Danny DeVito I was there for all the cartoon stuff but I do Mm. have one complaint that both my boyfriend and I had as first time comic conners is that this event has been going on and I should say I got a free ticket to comic-con I feel so lucky to have done a panel there it was an absolute I was gonna say you're just passing over that like you didn't just get a free ticket you were (laughs) on a panel at comic-con okay thank you so much but truly I was just living out my fantasy because you walk by the original pink ranger you walk by you know Dan Fogler who originated you know there's just so many different people there from all walks of life but for me My one complaint, they were great about checking for COVID. One of the only public events I've ever been to where the security is actually like, hey, put your mask over your nose. Just claps to the security team there. It was absolutely great. My one complaint is there's sort of this inside baseball thing to like, you have to know, there's all these like secret parties. It's a lot like South by Southwest where it's, unless you know someone who knows about the thing or you talk to someone in a line for something, you don't know that it exists. So as a result, we got to do some really cool stuff like Ty attended a Walking Dead uh, talk and got tickets to this Walking Dead fan event. I don't watch that show, but we'll post a picture on the gram of me with a zombie just not having it. Because as we know famously from the podcast, I do not like spooky things. Um, but but there were also these things where, okay, I, I waited in a five-hour line, Sarah. How, what's the longest you've waited for something at like Disneyland or like – Something of that nature. You, I'm not a line person. The longest I've ever waited in line was when the Indiana Jones ride came out at Disneyland. That makes um, a lot of sense. But, uh, well, I guess maybe technically the longest I've waited in line is to get into one more day at Disneyland, which is where we had to line up on the street outside of the gates the night before at like 5 p.m., sleep there. Wow. on the floor outside of the gates 
And then we walked in, got our special hats that only the first 100 people get, and then went home. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, <laughs> I waited in line for But it. that was also just an experience. Like, I slept on concrete in front of Disneyland and watched Twilight with my one of my best friends. Like, it was just for that. <laughs> There's a lot of line waiting, but here's my thing. There were things added to the schedule last minute that I am so upset that I missed. Namely, a SpongeBob panel, but most importantly, a freaking Rugrats panel. I, the Rugrats did have quite a presence at the Nickelodeon booth in the Expo Hall. Love, we love to see it, although it is the new, you know, CG Rugrats, yeah. which is grotesque as a as an mm. OG girl. Um, but I was thinking about this episode, sir, because we we were like doing our Rugrats deep dive, I'm going to have to catch that Comic-Con video to see, like, what did they talk about? What did we miss? What do we need to know about the Rugrats? We're going to have to have a part two um, for sure. Did you know, just, I mean, this is not an episode on Comic-Con, but did you know that it started in 1970? Sarah, did you know? And it's only been canceled twice. 2020 and 2021. It's been going on freaking forever. There were all these crazy parties like the IMD boat, like IMDB boat, and like just silly little Crunchyroll had a concert series, all this different stuff. You got to get these invites too. But I got to say, there was some great Rugrats cosplay at this event. Like there was, I did send me some. A picture of an Angelica who was just dying of heat exhaustion. (laughs) Um, but, you know, like, the the cool thing is Rugrats are alive and well. I was not the only person wearing Rugrats merch. I had a Rugrats shirt, that. and uh, they're, they're thriving. The Rugrats are thriving, in my opinion. I I absolutely love that. Um, the, the first year, by the way, that, uh, that Comic-Con ever happened, there were only two guests, like, you know, like, people uh forest ackerman american magazine editor and science fiction writer um and mike royer let me tell you something that i learned from googling about the history of comic-con a couple years ago somebody stabbed someone else in the eye with a pen because he is see I, and I understand that honestly with the amount of lines I waited in I was like I can understand how a nerd would get that grumpy and stab someone in the eye with a pen causing them to lose an eye but the funny part is Harrison Ford was uh in handcuffs as a bit because they were trying to make it look like oh we forced him to do this panel but because someone got stabbed in the eye everyone's like Harrison Ford took out someone's eye with a pen which did not happen this this concludes my history of oh, Comic-Con lesson. That's hilarious. <laughs> but this is my shout-out to Comic-Con, that it was a wonderful... I've been to RuPaul's Drag Con before. I've, I've done cons before. It's, it's, a, it's the template. It's such a lovely, inclusive... I mean, I, I was thinking of the podcast the whole time because there was so much obscure 90s and Nickelodeon and uh, Disney merch for sale and... Um, yeah, it's so it's so great to be around like-minded people. So if you're joining that us, so awesome. Because I did mention the pod at Comic Con, Sarah. So I I love it. I'm doing marketing um, in my spare time here. But Sarah, we should address real quick. We've been away for a while, and <laughs> we didn't perish. 
the the pod is still very much not only is it happening it's thriving and we have like 10 episodes we still have already recorded and need but sarah and i both got new jobs so we did like deal with it what are you doing now what are you doing now ma'am I am working at the Googs, the big Google, um, just started this week. Uh, and Sarah, where are you working? I am working at Sentry, which is an application performance monitoring and error handling company. I love Sentry. <laughs> I worked at Sentry. They served me many a coconut LaCroix there. Mm. Um but y'all, we're back. We're back in business. We are. Uh, little sneak peek. We're going to be bringing you Airbud for our next Very episode. Very soon. Which, yep. honestly, y'all, I think is one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> um, but then after that, we have a two-parter. Actually, do we have a four-parter? I was thinking about this, Sarah. <laughs> this episode that we are teasing, which we'll, we might as well say, let's get, let's get the listeners a little tease to let let's them know what's it. going let's on. Let's do it. Let's do it. Full house, y'all. So typically when we do an episode, I don't know what we were thinking, but we're always like each one of us picks one episode and we cover that. For some reason on this episode, we each picked two, three. I don't know why. It's going to be a multi-part episode and um, it's a thing of beauty. We This this was recorded before Bob Saget had perished. And days I before. Days before. Ugh. that this starts the whole (laughs) there's there is a lot we are witches coming we We are witches did we We have to be careful what we say we don't know okay um but should we how should we uh start off this episode honestly i think that was like the best intro i mean we have an amazing guest um brandon minnick and and um it's just it's just a phenomenal episode where we go through and we don't necessarily talk just kind of episode by episode. It's it's really, you know, that plus kind of just thinking about the characters and um I talk a little bit about, you know, how I learned how to parent from Rugrats and Dr. Lipschitz. No, just kidding. Reptar on ice. Um but but honestly, I think the only way to get into the episode is to is to do this duet. You know which one I'm talking about? Of course. It's not a duet, but, but yeah. it's like, we'll make it a duet. Are you I ready? don't know where, I think I know where we're starting from. Just kind of like. Yeah. Uh-huh. Rat, think, okay. Yeah. One, yeah. Two, two. It's a rug. 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 Come and clean, 
today. And for the first time, Ayla watched these with me. <gasps> I was going to say, I was I watching these and I was like, Ayla's going to enjoy this, I feel mm-hmm. like, because this was the age that I started watching Rugrats. Yep. Yep. So I, you know, in previous episodes, we've mentioned like, oh, she might like, you know, the parent trap when she's 10 or 12, because that's how old Lindsay is. Well, I mean, she's three going on four. So uh, yeah, I've got a lot of parents and, um, but first, shall we introduce our guest? Oh my goodness. So excited. I am a BB podcaster, but my very first podcast was with this human. Welcome to the show, Brandon Minnick. Yay! Thanks so much for having me. Oh my goodness. Brandon, when you said you wanted to do Rugrats, we were like, wow, it was only a matter of time, first of all, until someone suggested Rugrats. I feel like it's one of the classic, classic ones. But tell us what your relationship to Rugrats is. How did you... Where, where were you in your life when you started consuming Rugrats? Oh, gosh. Um, not too far into life in general. I uh, was still still a young kid. I was, I was born in 87. So the, the 90s are basically my childhood, my, my coming of age. And yeah, Rugrats was always one of those shows that was just always on. Uh, we, I was definitely a product of the generation and grew up watching way too much tv and that means a lot of nickelodeon as a 90s kid and always would watch the new rugrats um i'm trying to remember when the new ones were out if that was i don't think they made it to snick but you mean uh, the all grown up or just the newer episodes oh all the og episodes okay so okay did did watch some all grown up but I yeah, was I, I was kind of growing growing away from Rugrats, but mm. uh, but yeah, I remember every morning we would get up really early. So we were we were daycare kids, my sister and I growing up, mm-hmm. and so my parents would always take us to work or take us to daycare before they went to work, which meant we got up really early, and we were also always on our own for breakfast. So we'd be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, making cereal, making our toaster strudels, pop tarts, mm-hmm. and would always just turn on the TV at breakfast. And yeah, a lot of times it was just uh, reruns of Rugrats or uh, you know classic Nickelodeon shows like Doug or Ren and Stimpy. Was I and... your sister? Because that sounds exactly like my mornings. <laughs> <laughs> but also, Maybe. I I just got um, the Nick box. Chloe, are you still getting Nick boxes? Ooh, I don't know if I got the most recent one. Well, Tell me what you got. Spoiler alert, the most recent Nick box comes with a bowl and spoon for cereal that are Reptar themed. Like wow. Reptar cereal with like, a, oh my gosh, it's amazing. I'll have to post a pic on Insta. In my head, I'm picturing like a one of those color changing spoons. I wish like it wasn't one of white. those. <laughs> and then you dip it in your cereal and it turns oh. green. It's like reptile. Those are the best. <laughs> no, it's a metal spoon, but it's got like a, a reptile figurine up at the top, and then it looks like it has reptile cereal inside of it, even though it's just a bowl. But it's I pretty feel awesome. Like the Nick Box recently has had some really great Rugrats merch, like the Cynthia Seven Voyages yes. of Cynthia doll, which is an episode we're going to talk about today. And I feel like there was a reptile on ice ornament. I need to look back in my items I've gotten from them, but. 
What it a treat. Also the notebook for the yes. Rugrats movie themed. Yep. Yeah, the VHS notebook. And it's funny because I did a deep dive into the history of Rugrats. But before I dive into the history, Brandon, tell the humans listening at home a little bit about yourself. I'd love to. So my name is Brandon Minnick. I work as a developer advocate at Microsoft. And like Chloe said in the intro, we actually used to do a podcast together called 8-Bits, which I've just recently relaunched. We have a new co-host, our good friend PJ Metz. Also friend of the killing... pod. Friend of the pod, our Johnny Tsunami episode, right. an iconic app. So fill, filling in the big shoes left behind by Chloe, but we're, we're rebranded uh, and you can check us out at 8bits.tv. Rebranded. If oh, you will. oh. <laughs> and Chloe, before you deep dive into the history, I do have a very controversial question for each of you. Okay, who's your favorite Rugrat? Oh, okay. So you know how in astrology you're like, I'm a such and such with a moon mm. rising. Mm. I feel like, hmm. I'm an Angelica with a Chucky rising because I'm very bossy and I like to be in charge, but I am afraid of everything and have severe anxiety. So I'm a little combo of both, I would say. And, and who was your favorite when you were a kid? Is it like still who you identified with or? Oh, that's tough. I feel like I was always just, Tommy is just the OG, mm. you know, he's the leader of the pack. He's got that diapy. He's mm. the voice is so cute, I like know. such a cute, cute voice, and one of my favorite actresses' voices him. So I'd say I'd say Tommy is king, mm. King Tommy. Brandon, what about you? Like who you identify with, and then also like who was your favorite when you were? Yeah, your astrology yeah. rugrat, and then <laughs> your favorite rugrat. Yep. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad Chloe brought up the like the mix because I I identify with. I'd say Chucky and Tommy because I've always been adventurous leader, which is kind of Tommy's role, but also like the nerdy kid with glasses. Uh, mm. That was always kind of like, I don't know if this is a good idea, guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, the voice of reason, truly watching these back. I'm like, listen to this baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was interesting watching it back now as an adult because um, yeah you're totally right about chucky like just listen to him he's mm-hmm. <laughs> like you shouldn't do that um so yeah i'd say i'm probably more chucky now that i'm in my 30s and am i have a healthy fear of lots of things mm-hmm. <laughs> whereas when you're a kid you're not scared of anything yeah i feel like Chucky growing up is Bernie Sanders like very concerned about <laughs> climate change and student loans just yeah. like you know I feel like roughly he'd be that age maybe <laughs> well you can you can see it in his dad like yeah uh, I was just watching I forget the name of the episode but it was one where the the guys were watching the the kids while mm-hmm. the moms went out shopping but the ultra bowl was on and they weren't really watching the kids. They were watching the game. Yeah. <laughs> and the and Chucky's dad was like, "Do you want to watch the chess tournament instead?" <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like that's what Chucky would become for sure. Yeah. What about my, you, Sarah? My favorite, all-time favorite as a kid was always Chucky. He was always my favorite. I 
just loved him. I wanted to protect him. I wanted to be his friend. I loved how Tommy would help him be brave. Um, I would say who I am. I feel like I'm a mix between probably Tommy and Susie. Like, a little maybe like maybe maybe a little bit of Chucky but but I think who I've always strived to be is Susie um I feel like she was the most stable with the most attentive and stable parents and like I I I, like immediately recognized when she walked in (laughs) on her first episode it was like she is who they should all strive to be like like, yeah, she would kind of get, she would have fun. She would play. She would, you know, get into fights with, with Angelica. But at the same time, she was like above it all. And I was like, I love this. I love this. Not a great outfit. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like I'm above things, but it was more just, she was like mature and like able to handle it. You know, I don't know. Pure icon. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'll dive in a little bit to the history. Now I know a little bit oddly too much about the Rugrats. I've been so obsessed with everything that is Klasky Scupo. I hope I'm saying that right. For many years. Um, recently went down a pandemic rabbit hole on this because I was in Los Angeles um, pre-pandemic driving around with my boyfriend and we drove by this building in Los Angeles. I want to say it was a little bit near like uh, Hollywood Boulevard, maybe Wilshire area. And it's the old Klasky Scupo building like where a majority of the early animation took place there's a big Rugrats mural on the side of it just a really really cool kind of relic of that peak 90s era of Nickelodeon where it's interesting Brandon you mentioned earlier the new episodes and actually that is correct what ended up happening with Rugrats a little bit did a little bit of diving into their IMDb is from uh basically they it was initially they halted in 1993 after 65 episodes and then the only two new episodes um that were in 95 and 96 were Rugrats Passover and Rugrats Hanukkah so we were starved of Rugrats content except for Jewish themes for like two years which is a long time in kid time (laughs) But it was so popular that they ended up making new episodes, bringing it back. That's when we got the movie. We got all these spinoffs. I remember I even had a blockbuster cassette tape that had music from the live action musical that was touring. There was so much. I'm sure you all remember in Toys R Us, there were all these toys and a bunch of merch for this show. This show was truly everywhere. Doug and Rugrats were the Nicktoons back in that day. Yeah, truly, truly. I was wondering about that. I I specifically did not do any deep dives because I knew you had them all, Chloe, but I was trying to figure out why I felt like they disappeared and came back. But then when you just look at the very top of Wikipedia, it's like, yeah, 91 through, you know, it didn't, it didn't say, oh yeah, there was this big break, but yeah, you're right. And there's a very specific style that you'll notice to Klasky Scupo in general. And basically that comes from a very specific style. You probably recognize a little bit of these characters from different shows like Wild Thornberries, mm-hmm. As Told by Ginger. Um, a lot of the different actors who are involved in this were involved in a bunch of their other projects as well. Um, but where I really think is cool, so I recently read a uh, kind of autobiographical book about the whole world of Pee Wee's Playhouse and they were actually part of the early animations for those as well a lot of the claymation a lot of that very style of the 90s that was very kind of 
before we really had computers, just classic animation, quirky avant-garde stuff. And I think that really comes to play a lot in Rugrats because we yeah. see so much of perspective. We're seeing things through like a lizard's eye or a dog's point of view. And it was really their opportunity as artists to be able to make really quirky, weird, unique stuff. So these were folks that were collaborating with people like Danny Elfman, Paul Rubens, like this really interesting Los Angeles creative art scene that popped up kind of in the underground um, mm-hmm. it, of Hollywood at the time. So it's really cool to just see how many different projects they touched and different spinoffs that they did. It's the second longest running animated uh, I think at the time, the animated series next to King of the Hill, like wow. it had a bunch of milestones, um, won a bunch of obviously Kids' Choice Awards, Daytime Emmys, the Rugrats have their own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I mean, iconic group of babies. That's incredible. Wow. That That's really Who incredible. did the handprints for the star then? Oh my gosh, great question. <laughs> I do know that Tommy was designed to look similar to Klasky and Scupo's son at the time because they're married mm. um and yes. uh, had a son and so i know that his rendering was similar to their son is this very grotesque i feel like a lot of cartoons like rocco and yeah. ren and stimpy and rugrats kind of had like a grungy feel to them mm-hmm. all real monsters mm-hmm. is another one that class b scoopa were i'm never gonna be able to say that worked on um but they were just ever present in that like nickelodeon time period and mm-hmm. we should mention brandon used to live over uh in florida was there a big nickelodeon presence at theme parks around this time oh of course at universal studios orlando is where tons and tons of things were filmed and it's not there anymore, but yeah, they used to have a whole Nickelodeon land where. Wow. Um, Tell us I, everything. I, we never got to go. We're West Coast kids. Tell us all your memories. <laughs> so I never, I was never in anything, but I certainly had friends who were in Nickelodeon game shows. Um, these would obviously be like the real life shows, like yeah. uh, like a Double Dare kind of thing. Guts. Guts. Oh my gosh, guts. Um, but uh, but yeah, if you went to Universal Studios at the time, you could actually go be in the live studio audience and see recordings and yeah, like it was a still real a dream film studio. I would have been there every day. I would have been like season pass front row. <laughs> oh yeah, well, and I remember oh, I forget what it was called. Maybe it was like Nick TV Live or something like that, where um, they had a host and I forget who the host was, but Stick, in my mind. No, oh, stick stickly. Slime <laughs> time, time um, live, right? Um, maybe I've, I'm only picturing Nick Cannon. I don't know if that's actually <laughs> accurate, but like a Mark Summers, Nick Cannon kind of, sure. you know, children's show host. But yeah, they would have like real people getting slimed, like in between oh, showing okay. cartoons like Rugrats and Doug, and uh, you could just go be a part of that. You know, down, down the street. We we are currently submitting plans to build a house, <laughs> and I kind of want to just like build a slime area. Yeah, you know? like a like, big nose to get a flag out of. Like, why not? I say go for it. Literally, I mean, why not? I had the pleasure of going to Clusterfest. Uh, this was maybe three or four years ago, and Mark Summers was there 
with a full um, double dare, like you could get slimed, you go through the nose, all of that stuff. And we took a picture with him and it was such a treat to meet him. And he made kind of a funny joke that I won't repeat on the pod because it's oh my not for our children. Um, but he's a funny dude. He's on Instagram, very active. Like I just love him. He was on, he was literally hosting all the things back then, including like even shows <laughs> off of like the food network and stuff. <laughs> the <laughs> ultimate host. As far as I'm concerned. Okay, don't just Google Mark Summers, though, because, uh, yeah, there's other ones on Instagram. Um, I'll find them later. <laughs> but I think that was such a, like, peak Nickelodeon time. This, like, I remember yeah. I didn't know how to tell time on a normal watch, but I did know how to tell time from when the shadow was on the neighborhood house next door that it was Doug in Rygrat's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think it's, you know, Nickelodeon, we've talked about this a little bit before um, on on the pod, but Nickelodeon, I feel like, also just touched on a little bit more honesty with kids' lives. Like, um, you know, even within Rugrats, having Chucky with a single dad, you know, having Angelica have two working parents, having um, Tommy have a stay-at-home mom and, like, you know, a more creative dad. Um, Phil and Lil's mom was like clearly a lesbian like I just it was I don't know I just I really loved the realness of Nickelodeon shows and um, I feel like they still hold up today like I, I was watching it and I had for the first time I'm watching Rugrats now having a three-year-old and I was like you know what this is still really pretty accurate like this is pretty accurately descript like describing a three-year-old, a one-year-old, a two-year-old. Yeah. And I think that what's really nice watching it as an adult is you realize, you know, similar to things like Rocco's Modern Life, watching them back, there's jokes for the adults in there. Like there's jokes that I'm now getting as an adult because of course, like as kids watch content, we're very aware that the adults are also in the room. I know I've had to see some like baby shark and cocoa melon stuff today or Dora the Explorer. And I'm like, this is nauseating. I cannot watch and listen to this and Sarah I'm sure as a as a parent here you're like oh this is a joy to watch (laughs) yeah no it 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 really was and I think it's kind of funny because no joke when Ayla first started potty training and she was like a little bit afraid of the big toilet I literally thought back to when Chucky was being potty trained and he was afraid of the potty and and I remembered that a big part of his fear was that big flushing noise. And like, I remembered that it was like, where is the poo or pee going? Like, and I actually talked Ayla through these things of like, look, this is all it is. Like, this is all that's happening. Do you see this tube? Like, that's what's going on. And I literally took parenting lessons from Rugrats because I think it truly depicted the way children were viewing the world today, like at that age. Oh, I agree so much with that. Like the, because one of the things I love is how they show how kids misinterpret things. Yeah, and 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 not on purpose, but you know, when you're growing up, you only know what you know, Mm -hmm. and that's your entire scope and view of the world. And so, uh, like, even when you when you hear words, you just parrot those words. You don't really know what they mean, and. Sometimes you don't say them right, and, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's so great how they do that because I remember, yeah, growing up, like both like 
saying words wrong that learned later. I was like, oh, that I've been saying that for like five years. It's not how you pronounce it. But then also not no, really knowing what words mean. Yeah. And just like, I remember, I can't think of a, a specific example, but you're, you just hear something. You go, oh, yeah, of course, that's what that means. Like, you, I had no context. I was just like, oh, yeah, uh, that's probably something in space. And it's like, what? No. But a lot of it sounds <laughs> like the wordplay of this was so much fun. I wrote down a couple of them. Like, it's all going accordion to plan. Yep. Like, things about, like, you know, oh, Reptar got hit by a, what was it? It's like they turned into fossils, but instead yep. it was like he got hit by, <laughs> you uh, know. yes. With <laughs> a lazy bean. Like, all yes. of these different words. Yes. And I I it's the same thing like watching these back I would associate like I, I used to imagine that when we ate food it was just like the full version of the food in our stomachs because of how yep. Chucky's inside of his stomach was that we had all had a lunchbox where all of our food was kept and that is how we digested food um should so, we dive into the descriptions of the episode Sarah well I was gonna say I, I do have two little anecdotes one is something that I used to say as a child um, that I got very wrong, and I insisted that my family sing it this way because I knew I was right, which is um, this song about a fella named Daredaris, and it goes, Whoop, Daredaris, whoop, Daredaris, <laughs> whoop, Daredaris. No, it was not There It Is. His name is Daredaris, and how dare you tell me otherwise? So, um... That was one. Okay. And then <laughs> um, one recently, uh, don't judge me if you're a parent or not a parent or whatever, just don't. Um, so Ayla watches YouTube videos and we obviously watch what she's watching. Um, she she watches this, this one YouTuber, Beck Brojack, um, who does a lot of Minecraft videos. And he's very, he's fairly kid friendly, um, but he'll say things like flipping every once in a while. And um, the other day she woke up and we were just kind of sitting, kind of waking up together. And she goes, oh, oh, my gosh, why am I so freaking tired? <laughs> <laughs> and we had to have this conversation about like, like you were just saying, Brandon, like, do you know what that means? No. OK, well, um, you know, maybe don't say it <laughs> unless you know what it means, because grandma when she was young true story um sorry mom uh did not know what horny meant and thought it meant funny and so would walk around and say oh my god you're so horny (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah so you know that's how i learned not to say words i didn't know what they meant uh i did not explain that one to ayla obviously um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the whole, like saying words that you don't know what they mean. Very true. Very accurate. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. But yes, so we did cover three episodes that, or we, we did watch three episodes that we would like to cover during this, during this pod. The first is, um, Reptar on Ice. And here is our description. After finding a lizard which the Rugrats think is Reptar's baby, they try to present it to him at Reptar on Ice, an ice capades type show. The problem is that the actor playing Reptar is afraid of lizards and is not too fond of children either. 
I loved all the adult interaction <laughs> of this episode. Like, spiritually identified with Grandpa Lou. I was like, I don't want to go to this. It sounds stupid. And then I'm, like, crying by the end. But I also loved all the banter between, like, the fact that we get the behind-the-scenes look of Reptar on Ice. Like, the actor and, like, what appears to be his agent or the director or the producer being like, God, you've been doing this too long. Like, loved all of the adult interactions in this episode. <laughs> Yeah, and also just bold move putting that in a children's show. Because yes. there's, I'm sure, some kids out there that don't know that, like, the characters you see at Disney World are actually people right. wearing costumes. Taking the head like, off of the costume was a huge Ooh. deal. <laughs> I wonder if that was a little bit more okay to do because Reptar isn't, like, canonically in our world. And also is like a big dinosaur versus, I mean, I guess we had Barney, um, yeah. but like, yeah, he's just like not canonically in our world, but I don't know. I feel like Nickelodeon took a lot of fun liberties in the same way that Shrek did poking fun at mm -hmm. Disney about the kind of behind the scenes. Because one yeah. of my favorite Rocco's Modern Life two-part episodes is Wacky Deli, where it's all about a group of animators not wanting to make the show anymore and getting renewed for more seasons. And it's obviously like they're talking about themselves and it's so funny to have that self-deprecation. And I think that's what's so funny and interesting about this show is clearly a lot of the like stories and perspective are from the perspective of the creators who were parents and had to like go through a relative visiting that was super annoying or like it felt like real life situations like taking your kid to Disney on ice and being like this is so stupid like why are we here why are there soldiers dancing in a pinwheel like it's being a parent and like from the nanny perspective is is pretty crazy sometimes <laughs> I will say I think one thing that was pretty funny about Reptar on ice is how they tried to make it so dramatic when <laughs> yes. it's like honestly Ayla we were watching and after a while she was just like this is kind of boring because there was too much of this, you know, fake drama about Reptar and these people. And, <laughs> and, and we have recently seen a live show. It was during the pandemic. So it was virtual live, but it was the Paw Patrol live show. And Ayla was super excited. And I really liked how they did it. I won't go into depth about it right now. But what I liked about it was they basically just did a fun show of singing and dogs and writer moving around and dancing. And it was like, we're not going to take this super seriously. We're not going to try to come up with a storyline that's super complicated. The Paw Patrol is going to, you know, help someone and they're going to sing and dance about it. And, and I think it's funny because in the, in the 90s, I think a lot of these shows like Reptar on Ice did try to be more sophisticated than they needed to be. Oh, yeah. Because it's kids. Like, yeah. if you just parade out the children's favorite characters in costume, have some happy music playing, like, kids will love it. You yeah. don't have to, you don't really need a plot. <laughs> well, they, the kids come up with their own plot is the thing. Like, I mean, even in this episode, right? The babies came up with their own plot. Like, Reptar needs his baby back. Okay, but how dare you? The plot of Reptar on Ice is a classic love story for the ages, okay? Like, but not for is... kids. I'm saying it is for adults. <laughs> yes, he smashes cities, but I love him. Like, I wanted to be the Reptar's bride. Like, I was like, that is my dream role on Broadway. I want to, like, Reptar, Reptar, gotta find the Reptar. All of the songs are classics, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And it remind me, correct me if I'm wrong here, but do you guys remember 
there must have been a commercial. So for anybody who's not around the same age demographic as us, they would show these kind of interstitial commercials, like they'd play the Rugrats rap. And I feel like the clip that was, look, there's some kids on the ice, somebody get their mom, was like played constantly other than the episode. Just that clip was played quite a bit because I have it completely memorized to a T. <laughs> I feel like it must have been. It was very much, if not, it was an, uh, Reptar and Ice was a classic. I recorded this on VHS and gave it to my figure skating instructor, a very gay man at uh, Skate Town USA back in the 90s. This was an iconic, because we didn't have like Netflix or Paramount Plus or anything like that. So I was like, you need to watch this. It's a animated <laughs> cartoon about figure skating, which you teach me on a daily basis. Um, but I loved everything about this episode and I remembered Literally every single part, except, and I thought this was really interesting, the whole lizard of it all, like through the perspective of the lizard, which I thought was so interesting how we saw everything through the yellow eyes and it was, you know, a small lizard looking at these babies. But also like, Sarah, correct me if I'm wrong, as a parent would be concerned if my baby started just like dancing like he had ants in his pants. Like, I think I would know if a lizard was in my baby's diaper. (laughs) Yes. So, um, I mean, it depends. So I, I, I don't want to get like canceled by quote unquote <laughs> boy moms, but, um, what I noticed when Ayla was still in diapers is that parents of children with penises don't actually like worry as much about their diapers. And the reason is because there's less likely a chance of infection, not to get too detailed here. But like, I noticed that like, for example, me, anytime Ayla wet her diaper, I'm like, we're changing that. Like I, we're not messing around with this because it wasn't just like diaper rash, right? I was like, I don't want you to get an infection. And so I do think that like a little, you know, boy with a diaper on just kind of wiggling around is not as, and, 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 to be clear, like this age range, like one to three, one to five, one to four, kids experiment with themselves, not in a sexual way. Like it's just a sensation way, just the same way that they pick their nose, the same way that they, you know, twirl their hair, the same way they do everything. And so that kind of movement isn't actually too shocking or surprising or worrisome. Actually, I can speak to the next episode because uh, a, f- a good childhood friend of mine put a bean in her ear, which right. the lazy bean was like a cautionary tale to me because I was like, ooh, Maggie yes. put a bean in her ear and had to go to the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Ayla did get a little Lego stuck up her nose. <gasps> um, Adrian had a – it was when dad was watching – um, she did get one stuck up in her nose when I was watching, but I was right there. So we got it out immediately. He didn't quite notice as quickly. So they had to go to the doctor. She got it out. Everything's fine. Fairly common thing. Um, she was wondering why they put a lizard in their panties, though. Um, that was her question. <laughs> did you guys remember all the songs like I did? Yes. Like, I had it all memorized. <laughs> 100%. I will say, going back and watching these now 20 almost 30 years later um they aren't great parents no but the kids <laughs> sneak off all the time i mean that's literally the basis of every episode right it's like they go off on adventures and the parents don't even notice um uh, like there was the one where they went to the big toy store mm. and literally the dads drove home with toy versions of their 
still <laughs> children. Like it wasn't even the real child. And like Stu didn't even notice until he was in the house that that was a doll in the stroller, not his I mean, son. Stu is constantly high, right? I mean, like watching yes. back, I'm like, this guy is stoned out of his yes, mind. Yes, 100%. <laughs> okay, I mean, good. honestly, I think, no, they're not good parents. But I will say, I think a lot of parents, and I think this is actually kind of commenting on that to an extent, underestimate what their kids can do. So a parent like sticks their kid mm. in the stroller and is like, my kid's in the stroller. I don't need to think about it anymore. I'm going to, you know, deal with whatever I'm dealing with. And it's like, no, you know, your kid is smarter than that. And also, even if they're not smarter than that, they have hands. So at the very least, <laughs> they could get into some kind of, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, no, they're not. Uh, I don't know. It's hard. I mean, as someone with a spouse who is just like known to not be super attentive. He's a incredible father and our child is always safe with him, not to like worry anyone. Um, he watches her alone all the time. Um, not watches her, but parents her. Um, but he, he does tend to kind of not notice things. And I think, especially if you're with like one to three year olds all the time and you don't expect them to be very capable, things can happen fairly quickly. I'll just, because I don't have kids, so I'll just leave it at this. I always know where my dog is. <laughs> and these parents don't always know where their children are. I don't always know where Ayla is, but I, <laughs> but, but, but kind of on purpose. Like we live in a, in a place that I know what is safe. I know, I know my child. I know what, you know, she knows and I am generally aware and there isn't, a long period of time where I don't know where she is. But if I'm like doing the dishes, she'll go from like room to room. She might like run to grandma's house, which is still on our property. And but is she keeping a, a screwdriver in her playpen? Cause I feel like you would notice that. <laughs> so she, I mean, she does have her own set of tools. So it's kind of hard. Like we, we, we parent very much in the sense of like, um, I think there's like a term for it, but but basically she is independent, but, but I am always aware if that makes sense. So, so what she, Rograd is she then? Is she a Lil? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, I think she's a Susie because she's almost four too. And she's, she's very independent. She's very in control of things. And that's what I mean. Like, I feel like Susie was never really like in any trouble, even though her parents weren't really fully aware of what was happening. Yeah, and I will say that's probably fine for a four-year-old. But I mean, Tom you know, how old are the Rugrats? Like, yeah, they're in diapers, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you lose them for twenty minutes? Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm also concerned with how much Tommy is riding the dog. Like, I'm like, wouldn't yes. you pick up on your infant being on this dog? Like, a horse? honestly, I don't know. I feel like that's worse as a dog parent. Like, I, I, we have animals. We have dogs and cats, and like. It was more about like, let me not let my dog get hurt from this child, even though this child is my child. Like, no, you cannot sit on my dog's back because you will hurt him. Wait, maybe this is a good segue into the Seven Voyages of Cynthia episode mm. because I feel like I would know if my dog, spoiler alert, was going to the dump. Yeah, <laughs> Like, I'd be like, you reek, first of all. And also... Where did you get this item? <laughs> All right. Seven Voyages of Cynthia. 
Tommy and Chucky accidentally lose Angelica's favorite doll, Cynthia, while Stu and Drew wash Drew's boat. While Angelica holds a funeral for Cynthia, Spike manages to find the doll. I forgot that Stu and Drew were brothers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Because it's (laughs) like, hey, hey, bro. And I was like, did you just call him bro? And I was like, oh, his brother. (laughs) Yeah. Because cousin Angelica. I I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, of course. There's some sort of blood relation here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I think the whole, all of the parents are just so fascinating. Um, I, I was trying to think of who I am as a parent in this world. I'm and Grandpa think- Lou. <laughs> I'm just sleeping all the time and just disillusioned by everything. Yeah, it's, I don't know, Brandon, What? what who do you think you would be as a parent if you were a parent? Oh, gosh. I mean, Stu definitely tracks because he's kind of, like, he loves the technology stuff. He's always inventing stuff. And I, mm. I very much vibe with that, mm. uh, more so from a software perspective than Stu's hardware perspective. But um yeah i'd say somewhere between probably oh i mean yeah a little bit of stew there uh yeah like with grandpa like I'm, i already feel like i'm hitting that age or like chloe said like it's just kind of disillusion disillusioned like um it's <laughs> it's sometimes hard to see the forest for the trees and um mm-hmm. Something I really loved about the dialogue of Stu at the beginning of Raptor on Ice was he was talking to Angelica like an adult, like, oh, that's too bad. Oh, the dinosaurs got hit by a blah, 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 huh? Like, it was very much like how an adult would talk to a kid, like, not in a, like, oh, little baby. It was just like, wow, this Raptor guy is pretty popular. Like, he seemed like a real, he he wasn't a caricature. He was like a real dad. (laughs) Yeah, no, I do. I do appreciate that. Um. I think I'm probably a Charlotte. I, I I hope I spend more time with Ayla than Charlotte does. I I, I think I do pay much more attention. Do you have a attention. flip phone? Um, yes. No. Um, I wish. <laughs> um, but I, there was one. Uh, where did the quote go? Um, yeah. So I, I I recently tweeted this meme of of Charlotte talking about Angelica that says. If Angelica is ever going to make it in a male-dominated power structure, she's got to eat, breathe, drink, and sweat self-esteem. And I feel like that's definitely my vibe with Ayla. But I also don't just, like, tell her that and then disappear. I, like, <laughs> coach her through it and and try to help her become a compassionate, empathetic person while doing that. Um, <laughs> but but I think there's there's a bit of that. And then probably a bit of Chucky's dad. I just, that fear... That fear is real. So somewhere in the middle of those two, I would say. Yeah. I The the one that I think surprised me the most going back and watching it now is um, is uh, D or Dee Dee. Dee Dee, um, yeah. Her voice felt is, so comforting. Just mm-hmm. like aesthetically, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is home. <laughs> But yeah, just like how neurotic she is, um, especially when it comes to like Lipschitz. Yeah, Uh, it's like she I mean, and I'm sure every parent goes through something similar where it's like, oh, I just got this home from the from the high school, (laughs) from the from the hospital. Uh, Like, what do I do now? And you don't want to mess up because then, you know, your child will hate you later in life. Mm -hmm. And 
I get that. But at the same time, you know, it's like, it just, just calm down a little bit. Like maybe use a little bit of intuition. Like you don't always need to reference a book. And I think like big things, right? Like, and again, like I only have a dog, but you know, when I'm training my dog, like how to roll over, I look that up because I don't really know how to do it. And so for big events, yeah, like uh, potty training, I could see uh, like looking up tips and tricks, but man, she will not stray from Lipschitz books. Maybe there's a Lipschitzu book for dogs that you can like check out for Kirby. So I'll post a pic on the Instagram, but uh, when I had my daughter, my mom bought a child psychology book for me and it was called something to the effect of how to raise your child like training a dog. (laughs) But it it was actually true. It was actually true because what you're saying, Brandon, you know, I think a lot of dog parents or pet parents will, will often say like, especially to me, like, I mean, I don't have any children, but you know, I do have a pet and I'm like, no, but it, it really is very similar because with pets, yes, there's some tips and tricks and there's some general guidelines. We generally know what can kind of work and what doesn't, but it is about intuition and it is about your lifestyle. You know, if you have a partner, their lifestyle, it's about your home. It's about like your particular pet. Like it really is about that. And I think, I think that that was what was kind of being mocked with Dr. Lipschitz (laughs) a lot because parents do do that. They, they, they get very, very like, hyper fixated on one particular way of parenting and it's like there's no way there's no the right 90s way. were huge for like waldorf schools and like yes. different parenting techniques too so i feel like this is a really interesting commentary on like how parenting should be or like is viewed publicly um something that i loved from kind of a like materialistic standpoint is you always notice that angelica's parents like bought her whatever newest toy that she wanted and what i loved about this episode was all i don't know if you guys noticed there was like the cynthia hot tub the cynthia salon the cynthia and it reminded me of every single i had like the barbie rv the barbie dream house the barbie corvette the barbie you know vw beetle i had all of the different accessories for it and i love that in this world of like reptar there's also cynthia and that there's like toys and franchises within the Rugrats universe, which was very meta because we had all these Rugrats toys. Like I had like all of the Rugrats as little play toys and things like that. And I love, it's sort of like, it's kind of making fun of Barney, but it's kind of like an angry Barney. (laughs) Did you know that it actually comes from the way kids would say Velociraptor? And it's because Jurassic Park was super popular during this time. Oh, okay. Dinosaurs are big around this time. Yeah. They were. They were. Yeah. You know, this episode, The Seven Voyages of Cynthia, I think really, really highlighted Angelica's materialism and and her, like, control. But at the same time, like, you know, we have three dogs um, and one of them is a 90-pound, one-year-old golden retriever. So lots of energy, lots of fluff, lots of knocking. Sarah literally got a concussion from her dog booping her nose, okay? This is a big (laughs) dog. (laughs) Literally. Um, And, uh, you know, so sometimes Jack, that's his name, will take one of Ayla's toys and she totally freaks out because he will destroy it, you know? And and that's okay because it is hers. And, and, you know, we try to teach her the, the balance of, like, 
sharing and understanding that, you know, Jack is a dog, but also it's okay to be upset if someone takes your things and breaks them. Um, and so I think, I don't know, it was just kind of fascinating watching Angelica go through all this. And I think the only thing really that's missing is her parents being there to kind of help her through it, you know. Brandon, did you, you have sis, a sister, correct? Yep, older sister. So you, did you grow up around Barbies and like dolls with like, you know, synthetic hair and stuff like that? Because I feel like there's really something to be said of a commentary in this episode about if you put your Barbie in the bathtub or the pool, that's it for their hair. And <laughs> this was very, Cynthia was very accurate to that commentary. No, not a whole lot. Um, I remember my mom always being disappointed because my mom kept a bunch of her dolls and always wanted to pass them on to her daughter. But yeah, my sister never got into dolls very much. Did yeah. you have a toy or like a blankie or something that you had an emotional attachment to like a oh, Cynthia doll? Yeah. Um, let's see. So as far as like action figures go, I was really into the Ninja Turtles. So I had like a yeah. crate full of Ninja Turtles. And then... As far as like an emotional attachment, um, that'd probably be just my blanket mm -hmm. uh, from childhood. Do you uh, still have it? No, I don't. I don't, I don't know where that is now. Mm. I have a bunch <laughs> of kids. I still have her. She still sleeps with us. Jack did bite her nose off, but I sewed it back together. Because I feel like there's really something to be said here about, you know, I've had items that have sentimental value. I remember I got the, remember at Burger King, you could get the toys in the meal, but then you could buy extra, like the big toys. I had a Woody doll and I legit lost it, like in Toy Story. And just like the sadness that I felt. And my parents were like, we can buy you a new one. I'm like, it can't be a new one. It has to be the same one. Like there's that whole like intrinsic value of it has to be the same blankie. And it's why a lot of parents around this time would buy like multiples of a favorite toy in case it like fell out of the stroller or like went missing. But I remember famously I went to a like grocery store or something or a party store with my parents and I had a balloon and I let go of it because, you know, I was three or something. And the whole ride home, I was just like, I want it. I want it. Just like hyperventilating, like needed this balloon, was so sad about it. And I loved Angelica's reaction to Cynthia, just like screaming bloody murder because I think we've all been there yeah. as children, like can't find something or something goes missing. It was uh, very relatable. <laughs> Right, and the whole, like, buy, buy you a new one. It's like, I don't want a new one. I want, I want mine. Which <laughs> it seems true. really irrational as an adult, because I just buy a new one. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think Ayla, when we went, I took her to Disneyland right before the Panini started, and she, she was holding on to many Toy Story figurines and dropped the Jesse one down the elevator shaft oh no and uh, and prior to a yeah we had just <laughs> got them and prior to a meltdown I was like oh gosh that's so you know frustrating and I tried to just be like empathetic but then be like we can get you another one and she was like okay and so then I have like I'll put it on the socials but like we have like a little um I have a clip of her being like we're gonna go get another one and she was okay with it but then, you know, now we have, she has a playroom and she keeps the door closed. And I say, if you leave the door open or you leave toys out of the playroom, the dogs will get them. Hmm. And if you do that and the dogs get them, you're not getting another one. 
because yeah. you should have put it back, right? Like if somebody else leaves the door open or like, you know, she fell asleep and that's why, okay, fine. But like, you know, and so she just like Angelica has tons of toys with missing heads, missing arms. She had Barbies. Well, they were like frozen Barbies, like, you know, Elsa, Anna, um, for a little while, none of them have hands or feet. I'll put it on the pod notes because like, it is hilarious. Um, she doesn't really play with dolls anymore. She's more into vehicles and tools and stuff. So, I mean, I remember having a personal vendetta against raccoons for a majority of my childhood because they popped my inflatable Ronald McDonald in the backyard. So like these things hit deep as a kid, like sentimental value toys, just like how dare you you destroy. I literally started searching for my Madame Alexander Rodeo Rosie (laughs) doll because while I was watching this episode, because I was like, Rodeo Rosie, where are you? (laughs) I'm trying to think if there's anything else on this episode. Um, I mean, just, oh, another thing I wanted to add is if anybody's on TikTok lately, there's these kind of awful trash people called the Island Boys that I keep tweeting out images of and saying that Cynthia walked so the Island Boys can run, could run, and we'll put it on <laughs> the social media. But there's these two, I don't know, rappers, question mark, that have hair just like Cynthia, like the three kind of star chunks, and they rap about being Island Boys. It's not great. Um, but I recently sent this to a um, future, future guest on the pod, April, and she said, oh my God, it makes so much sense because they also kind of look like they've been in a river, you know, <laughs> like they, they kind of are haven't bathed in a while, similar to Stinky Cynthia at the end of this episode. And I loved just like the journey. Oh my gosh. Yes. We're right now, Sarah is holding up the uh, Cin- seven voyages of Cynthia doll toy to the camera for us to see. Yeah. In her um, beautiful wedding dress that's green now. I do feel very robbed of the opportunity of a uh, drag con during the pandemic. Myself and April were, g- I was going to go as Angelica and she was going to go as the Cynthia doll. And I was very much oh. looking forward to that wig. Um, but I feel like this is such a like, visually iconic episode of the water and the sludge and the dump and like you know we all have our imaginary smell of what she must have Mm. smelled like after all of that (laughs) and I feel like I loved the way that as a kid and even today I still love how it it all comes full circle right like it was all happenstance I don't know how how um you know oh gosh uh I just forgot his name the dog Spike Spike Sorry, that was loud. Um, I don't know how Spike uh, got to the dump. Well, there's like an interesting lesson about telling the truth because they're like, we Mm -hmm. have to tell her, we have to tell her the truth. And then it's like, wait, she's being a bitch to us. Let's not tell her the truth right now. Because really what I learned from this is you go back and forth a lot with Angelica on like, I empathize with her and she's being a total bitch. And like, that was always my struggle with Angelica, like even on the Christmas episodes and other episodes that we watched where I'm like, you're really mean, but also like a really crappy thing is happening to you. And I feel bad. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And, and yeah, that was, that was my takeaway too. Cause you know, um, I I'm very much of the opinion. Like, I don't like lying to kids. Um, I don't, I don't like parents to do that. Cause mm-hmm. like, I remember things my parents told me that, you know, it's when it's just more convenient to lie than to actually tell them the truth and explain what's going on. And, uh, and yeah, in this one, I feel like the lesson, cause yeah, the boys just straight up lied to Angelica mm-hmm. and, 
yeah, she she's not super nice, but you know, it's easier from the get go to say, I'm so sorry, we lost it. But instead, they help her look for it. Mm-hmm. And like, they're like climbing through the bushes. And then that one that gave me like those. Uh, this is this is a weird, <laughs> weird tangent, but like serial killer vibes were like, mm. they help look for the body even though they, <laughs> yeah. they're the ones responsible for it being missing <laughs> i've just been re-binging like, you on netflix and you're right it gives very much like <laughs> joe vibes like stalker vibes like oh your your room is too small for that bed and it's like how do you know oh i mean every new york room is too small isn't it <laughs> but you're yeah right. it's like do we really want these shows teaching the kids that yeah you should cover it up when you just made a mistake like they didn't do to it be purpose. fair there was a threat of violence she's like i'm gonna smash whoever the hell yeah. did this into a pancake and they're like we don't want to die like i you love know? how they take everything so literally on the show as <laughs> it's true i i will say brandon i think you hit a very good point though because not just you know lying to kids i also agree with i don't think that that's a good thing to do um but when ayla lies and it's not very often. That is so hard because I, I don't want to label her a liar. I don't want to say, why are you, you know, being dishonest? Because I know why, like, you know, she, she, right now she does chores to earn money. Well, she, she gets the choice. She either gets to give her time to earn money by doing chores or give her talents by like drawing something or whatever to earn money. She's trying to earn money to buy these Paw Patrol vehicles. And the other day she just colored the whole column for one of the vehicles. And I was like, oh, did you do all of those chores? And she's like, yeah, because I want the toy now. And I was like, oh, so did you color them? You know, and then we went through this whole discussion and it's hard as a parent to teach children not to lie when they know that if they tell the truth, they're not going to get what they want or they're going to get in trouble or whatever. Um, But you also, if you get too mad at them for lying, then they're just going to become better liars, which is what I did as a kid. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Lying is a hard thing as a parent. I yeah. do like at the end they told the truth. You know, they it was they were kind like, of a lesson in empathy for them because they're like actually crying. She's like, "Not yet," and they're like, "No, we feel really bad. We feel really bad." It was yeah. Like, okay, that's cute. Shall, Shall we, we go the to the next? Episode? Yeah, the my most iconic visual. Like, oh my gosh, mm. I think about this episode almost every week. Um, every time I almost eat a seed anytime uh i think about how the human stomach works um the blood stream literally thought it was a platelet stream just like that that you could ride as a raft like so many like angelica in the flippers yes. and the mask all of this was a visual feast for my eyes <laughs> same all right we are talking of course about the inside story After Chucky swallows a watermelon seed, the babies are forced to shrink down with a laser beam and enter his body to retrieve it after Angelica tells them that it will grow inside his stomach and explode. However, it turns out that the entire journey was just a dream and the babies never shrunk down. It's very Jacob's Ladder, just like it was all a dream. (laughs) Which is also like the worst thing you can do as a writer is like cap off your movie show with that kind of ending like Mm. oh we just made it up it's like "Mm, you didn't know how to end this when you were writing it did you 
I was thinking that during the episode, I was like, wait, how do they justify? Because typically in a Rugrats scenario, it's a real life thing. And I was like, wait a second. How do they justify that they're in the body? Because I I feel like for whatever reason, and I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I combined this episode in my head with that Magic School Bus episode where they go inside the the kid with the glasses. I can't think of his name right now. Um, But when you watch it, and it's funny, Brandon, because we recently did a Mary-Kate and Ashley episode where we got kind of upset that they used a learning opportunity to, like, educate them wrong. And I realized watching this back that there were a lot of things about the human body that I assumed from this episode that later had to get corrected. (laughs) And there were some things that weren't accurate, like a lunchbox inside of your belly, for example. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I was... I was terrified to swallow seeds as a kid. Oh, yeah. Because in my mind, if you swallowed that seed, it just grew inside you. Like, you don't you, you don't have organs. There's nothing in here. So it's just an empty pit. And that seed just goes, boink. Down There's the an bottom, island that Angelica then, will plant it on in like, your belly. You start to grow out of it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, again, like, kids believe what you tell them <laughs> and for years was scared of swallowing seeds. Chucky needs yeah. to chew more, I'm discovering from seeing the inside of his <laughs> belly, just like a, a, a triangle of a sandwich and like an apple core. And I'm like concerned about this baby's diet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I will say this is a, a perfect time to plug YouTube. YouTube.com. Educate your children. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> when part of potty training for Ayla was, uh, it was actually my mom's idea who she, she watches her for the majority of the day. And she was like, let me teach you about how food passes through your body. And so then every once in a while, Ayla will be like, mom, make sure you chew your food so it can go down your esophagus. And I'm like, thank you, darling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, valid can't point. Get, you know, can't get mad at that. Um, I I did like how this episode had Angelica get the idea from the show that the that the parents were watching, because I feel like that is that is something that you know, and obviously I'm going to keep talking about Ayla, but like that Ayla does often, where she will watch something and then she will reenact it with a little bit more imagination and fa- like fantasy. And, 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 and just kind of reenact it in her own little world. And, and so I really, really appreciated that it was like, she didn't just come up with this idea, right? She heard this lazy bean and, and, and like, you know, applied it to a situation where she felt like she could be in control of it. I feel like I at least one time played pretend with some of my childhood friends where we had like a floor lamp that looked kind of similar and I would point it at us and be like, we're going to shrink down because shrinking was so big like honey Mm -hmm. i shrunk the kids this episode magic school bus like the whole idea of like getting small and going inside like pinocchio even with the whale was just like so big like getting eaten was a thing (laughs) in this time of cartoons and i'm sure that i played like go inside the human body multiple times also mm-hmm. we'll put an audio clip here and we'll put it on the social but i think my favorite meme as of late is someone overdubbed a scene from that magic school bus thing where they're like what is that and instead of um miss frizzle going that's a valve it's just this girl going girl that's a booty hole <laughs> <laughs> it's the funniest thing i've ever seen because when we watch these episodes you're like when are you gonna go through the butt because like you know <laughs> yep. it's like all about poop when you're a kid and yep. like i just remember 
remember being like, why are they never going through their butt? Like, this yeah. is weird. They get burped up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I say, it's funny that you say it. Like, I, this is the first time I've really thought about, yeah, the the shrinking down. Like, trope. It's like, yeah. Like, that was an iconic trope in the 90s. Yeah. Like, so many things were, yeah, we need to shrink down to do blah, blah, blah. And yeah. Chippendale Rescue Rangers were small. Mm-hmm. Like, there were a lot of characters who lived, like, a lot of gnome shows and the Smurfs were just, like, oh, yeah. tiny yeah. little people. And I feel like the, the borrowers, borrowers was so big. <laughs> I just wanted to be Indian in the cupboard. I yes. wanted to be inside things tiny all the mm-hmm. time as a kid. <laughs> I think part of that is because you are kind of living in a tiny world. Not just that yeah. you're tiny, but, like you know, you, you don't get to go experience the big world. And so you have to recreate a little world in front of you. Um, that was the magic of Toy Story, I feel too, was everything yeah. was from the toy and the small perspective, which what I thought was so interesting about all three of these episodes that we watched is they played so much with perspective. Like yes. first we saw things through the lizard's eye. Then we saw there was like a whole scene through Spike's eyes for Seven yeah. Voyages of Cynthia where he can't understand what the babies are saying, but he's like, I don't like it. Angelica like she's rude it's like ooh, Tommy and it's so much of it is just like not only the perspective of a baby which is already small but then like the perspective of a lizard to a baby Mm -hmm. and playing with sizes and everything was just so like not a part of this that I remembered a whole bunch yeah no that's true um speaking of the internet educating us about our bodies something that I guess I knew but didn't really know and a lot of people on TikTok also didn't is like the way water or liquid that you consume eventually exits your body yes. is not like your esophagus or stomach has like a water compartment or a liquid compartment and a solids compartment. Like it literally gets absorbed via your intestines into your like blood that goes through your kidney and then gets put into your like I what like I I knew but like I didn't. Really? I feel like we have to have Brandon back and do the magic school bus episode and compare what we learn because yeah. I remember thinking a lot of what was in this episode, the lazy bean episode was canon. Like mm-hmm. I think even recently I was explaining something to my boyfriend Ty and he's like, that's not how food gets digested. Yeah, like, it's not what? just like, a big pile of food. And I'm like, that's not what my guess will be. <laughs> you won't just like open your stomach and you could like re-eat your mashed potatoes. Oh, yeah. There's like ha- there's like a whole lunchbox in there. Obviously, like what? <laughs> Something I did want to touch on. I went down a deep dive, and typically when we do um, any sort of television show or movie, I'll I'll do a pretty big deep dive into who did the extra voices and the characters. Mm. And I have to say that the if you click on all cast and crew for this show, it's really a who's who of comedy and the 90s and the alt like art comedy scene. Everyone is on here. Everyone from Paul Rubens to, oh my goodness, let me just go through some of these names here. Some people that I didn't expect to see on here. Dan Castaneda, who of course is the voice yeah. of Homer Simpson. Vicki Lewis. Andrea Martin is Aunt, Aunt Miriam. Like some really iconic. Amanda Bynes. Debbie Reynolds was Lulu Pickles. Like truly 
everyone was on this show. Um, even Ari Gross, a personal friend of ours that we've mentioned previously on the show, Tom Bosley, like Kim Cattrall was Melinda Finster. Like truly <laughs> everyone and everyone was on this show. And I think it must have been such – it was on for so long and it must have been like the voiceover gig in Hollywood at the time. Like what a treat to be on the Rugrats. Absolutely amazing. I would also highly recommend that everybody go check out this article that is on uh, vulture.com. It's an article titled Mark Mothersbaugh on Rugrats. And Mark Mothersbaugh was the person who did all the music for the show. And it's a deep dive into the creative process and how he got involved. And it's really interesting because he says in this article that he kind of takes a lot of credit almost with writing and character creation because they did a lot of the music with the character development and the character development with the music which I think is so apparent on this show like Mm -hmm. even beyond things like Reptar on Ice when you think of the different interludes and sound effects and he was playing a lot with like voices which you know Doug was doing this as well where it was like a lot of repeating of of different like baba and things like that and um it was so cool to hear about his creative experience because people like Danny Elfman and like a bunch of really cool people worked with the Klasky Scoopo folks so um he said it was just a dream and one of his like creative career highlights of his life to work on Rugrats and I mean it got huge like it, it was the biggest cartoon at the time so what a treat yeah, and also a testament that it, it still holds up. You know, yeah, we were we were chatting uh, before we went live that really the only downside to Rugrats is it's not in HD, so like yeah. it's a little grainy. You get the letterbox and the four by three, but it holds up. I didn't even notice that to be honest. I, I was gonna say the same thing, Brandon. Not only does it hold up for us, but it holds up for a three year old. She was like engrossed. She was like you know, interested in, in the, in the plots and the storylines. And it wasn't, it, it was, it was more everyday lived life than things like Paw Patrol and, and, and stuff like that, which is her current favorite. Um, and, and I think that it just, it, I, despite it not being, you know, biologically correct and, and how food is, <laughs> how food is dissolved in your stomach. I do think that it, it, it touched on, a lot of real childhood issues um, and even adult issues, but through the lens of children. And I, and I this, think that it's, it's important. It really hit like a nostalgic soft spot for me. I feel like there was this era of hand-drawn animation that we were all so lucky to experience, like so happy for animators out there that we can do this with computers now, but there was such a like magic to all those early Disney and Nickelodeon like hand-drawn Nicktoons that this was just so like quirky and weird and squiggly and like we don't mm-hmm. get that kind of rough around the edges type animation that we used to with the shows like Pee Wee's Playhouse and mm-hmm. like, you know, things like this. And I loved watching it because it not only was kind of like grungy, but it also had this like very of the era authenticity to it yeah. that like really felt like a labor of love. Like all of these were like hand drawn, which is incredible to think about. And mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody caught it, but I, I wrote a note about it in the scene where they're all sitting down at their seats for Reptar on Ice, if you pause it, the people behind them who are kind of the background characters are these kind of like odd caricatures. And I thought, oh, this is so goofy and weird. And like now on a show like Simpsons or something, it'd all be like CGI and moving around. And it was just kind of refreshing to see normal hand-drawn animation, which was such an art of that 
era. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, I, I get the pleasure of looking at Chucky and Angelica over my other workstation every single day. Cultural cool. icons. We stand an anxious king, Chucky yes. Finster. <laughs> Any parting thoughts about Rugrats before we wrap the show up? It holds up. Go watch it. If you haven't watched Rugrats or if you haven't watched it with your kids yet, introduce them to it because it's still good. 20 years later, 30 years later, still good. And if you're a parent or soon to be parent, you don't need to pick up a book. You don't need to listen to Dr. Lipschitz. Just watch the Rugrats. But from the kids' perspective, don't do what the parents did. <laughs> Look at what the kids needed. Because <laughs> honestly, there's some good lessons in there. And spoiler alert, like there is an episode where she meets Dr. Lipschitz. And yes. You kind of learn that he's full of it. And so... Yep. A lot of yes. irony there in her subscribing her entire parenting style to these books from this guy who doesn't really know what he's doing. I feel like she should know that. Like, a lot of shit's coming <laughs> out of these lips, right? Like, come on. Come on, It's man. funny because in the musical Chicago, there's like the pop, sick, squish, Cicero, lip shits. And every time that I hear this song, <laughs> I feel like here I'm going to edit in a part that's like pop, sick, squish, Cicero. And then it's like Dee Dee saying lip shits. That's for me to edit and put here. Um, this was so much fun, y'all. Brandon, where can people find you on the interwebs if they want to check out all your sweet, sweet content? Yeah, you can find me at the Code Traveler on Twitter. So that's T H E C O D E T R A V E L E R, the Code Traveler. Uh, I also have a website, codetraveler.io. Uh, fair warning, I do a lot of writing code. So if you're into .NET, if you're into C Sharp, join me. <laughs> you're you're one of my peoples. Um, if, if you're not, then yeah, maybe stick around for some commentary on life in general. <laughs> you're a regular stew pickles, Brandon. <laughs> Constantly inventing. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brandon, for suggesting Rugrats. Um, I, I feel like I want to do a couple more episodes, maybe as like special Patreon stuff or something in the future. But Well, a little bit of a teaser. We will be covering the Rugrats Hanukkah episode on our upcoming holiday episode. So everybody... Stay tuned to celebrate the magic of Hanukkah. You gotta when you say it. Salute Your Sports is not endorsed by the companies featured in this episode or any of their subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names, pictures, audio, and video clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and or copyright holders. Mix and Master by Dr. G. Our theme song is Keep Me Entertained by Maddie McGuire. Salute Your Sports is recorded in front of a live house plant. And in a shed! And is not produced in Nickelodeon Studios at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida.
Sports is not endorsed by the companies featured in this episode or any of their subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names, pictures, audio, and video clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and or copyright holders. Mix and Master by Dr. G. Our theme song is Keep Me Entertained by Maddie McGuire. Salute Your Sports is recorded in front of a live house plant and in a shed and is not produced in Nickelodeon Studios at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. 